I think my parents are watching today, so they will appreciate uh, the dilemma of the parent. That is to say, when Hannah and Josh were younger, we drew all sorts of lines for them in the sand. We created all of these boundaries. I was the first child, so as the first child, mom and dad drew lines that were not malleable. They didn't move. So when I came in after my curfew, and oftentimes if I came in after my curfew, it wasn't just a little after my curfew, it was way after my curfew. But if that happened one minute after my curfew or less, what ended up happening then was I was punished. You know, whatever privilege was lost, etc. Well, along comes my brother, the second child. I love Tommy, and I don't think Tom's watching today, but even if he is, it, he, will, he will readily admit that it's true. That Tom, my brother, could come in two, three, four hours after his curfew, and absolutely nothing happened. Now, part of that was because he climbed up the outside of the house and went in through the window in his room up on the second floor. Uh, don't try that at home, by the way. Yes, that's correct. Do not try that at home. Now, Hannah would tell you the exact same true, thing is true for she and Joshua. That is, we had a hard line. We had a lot of rules. We drew those lines for Hannah. And then Josh came along, and the rules became a little bit wishy-washy. The lines became blurred. But let's be honest with each other. How many times in our lives do we draw a line? And we say, if this happens, we are going to, we, we are going to do something about it. And then that thing happens. And then we have to decide, do we really want to do something about it? Uh, because we drew that line in the sand, and now that the line has been crossed, are we going to do something, or was it just a line in the sand that you can just erase by rubbing your foot across it? Today, as we move into the second chapter of Ephesians, the idea of drawing lines and undrawing those lines comes into focus. When uh, Paul is writing to... Uh, the folks in Ephesus. And I'm picking up with verse 11 in chapter 2. And he says, So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access to one spirit in the Father. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is a reading of the word for this morning. Thanks be to God. You know, as I was reading that this week, I, I thought about the human propensity and desire to draw lines, to make boundaries, to build walls. How often in history have we made some river somewhere an artificial divider between two different places, as if crossing the river changed the whole atmosphere in which you were in? How many times in history have we drawn and built walls that were meant to keep someone out? Look at the Great Wall of China. You know, one of the great wonders of the world, built uh, over a long distance to keep invaders from coming in. We are really, really good about building walls. And what's even more, as Thomas Merton pointed out this morning, is we're good at building walls inside ourselves. We build a wall that says, I want everyone to see me the way they want me to be. So we get a list of things, the way our parents want us to be, the way our teachers wish we would be, the way society tells us that me as a male, or you as a female, or any number of different kinds of, uh, uh, of kind of dividing lines that we draw and say, this is the person I want everyone to think I am, even if it doesn't look at all like the person I really am inside. We build a wall inside ourselves, and we think that the building of that wall makes us better. It certainly, we imagine, makes our lives easier. Because if everybody just likes us, not dislikes us, but likes us just for who they think we are, we don't have to worry whether or not they'll like us for who we really are. And so not only do we divide the line between us and everybody else, but we divide the line between us and ourselves. And in so doing, in many ways, we make it very hard for us to be in relationship with a sense of connection, not only with other people, but with God. Because God loves us just the way we are, the way we were made to be, not the way everybody wishes we were or that we wish everybody thought we were, but the persons we were made to be. And we find Paul writing to tell us that this idea of dividing lines that we are all about, you're in, you're out. I'm in, you're out. How quickly we are to draw those lines. And then, good religious people that we are, we often then spend a lot of time trying to draw lines for everybody else too. We decide we're in, they're out, whoever they are. They could be just a different kind of Christian than we are, but they're not as good a Christian as we are. They're not as pure a Christian as we are. They don't have the same answers that we do. Well, guess what? Most of our answers we made up ourselves anyway. 
And then what's even worse than our desire to divide things up is we put that desire on God. We think that if we really like to divide things up, so does God. God is busy dividing everything. But I don't see that thrust in this writing that Paul has sent to the Ephesians. God is all about the opposite of our propensity. Our desire to divide things between good and bad, you know, dark and light, all of the kinds of things that we like to keep things in an orderly fashion, in, out, up, down, all of those kinds of lines. God wants to break those lines down. And Paul's example is about the difference between Gentiles and Jews. That's that whole circumcision and uncircumcision thing. He's writing to uncircumcised people, to Gentiles in Ephesus, and say, you know, you were once, you thought you were outsiders. And by the way, me, a good Jewish boy, thought you were an outsider too. But then I got to know God a little bit better, and guess what? The truth is, you're not an outsider at all. And I'm not an insider. We're just all siders. We're all, uh, we're all connected to each other, and we're connected to God. Because God's propensity, God's move in the universe is to bring us together. To get us past all the illusions that make, make us separate. All the things that we invest ourselves into. That making more money makes me a better person. It sure doesn't. That having a better title makes me a better person. Sure doesn't. Pretending to be more spiritual makes me a better person. Notice, pretending to be more spiritual makes me a better person. None of that is true. You can't make God love you any more than God already does right now. Now, you can fall more deeply in love with God. But in terms of your place and your sense of connection in this universe, God already loves you. God just wants you to see you for who you are. Not the pretend person and the real person, but just one person. And God doesn't want to see us looking at the world as those who get it. Well, I guess those who get it would be us. We, we get it, right? After all, we're on the stream, whether it's live or later this week. We're, we get it. It's just too bad for everybody else who doesn't. Just too bad, isn't it? And God wants us to stop drawing all those lines. Because oftentimes the lines we draw are about trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Or at least pretend like we feel better about ourselves. Oftentimes when you point at someone else and you compare yourself to them, what you're trying to do is find something wrong with them so you can feel better about you. Or in worst case scenario, you're trying to find something really good about them so you can feel even worse about you because you have some kind of thing going on inside of you about how you're not good enough. Well, get over that. God already loves you. God made you to be you. That's not trash. That's beauty. That's love. That's you. These lines that we draw to separate ourselves from ourselves and ourselves from each other and ourselves from God are all drawn so we can keep control. Now let me tell you, 
I'm a, I have a person, I'm a person with control issues. I know that that is one of my energy centers that I get really off on. The, the thing I have to let go of all the time, I let go of my desire for power and control. Now I let go of it and five seconds later I'm trying to get it again, but I keep trying to let it go. Linda could tell you, she lives with me, and I have this thing with the dog. When I want the dog to lay down, I want the dog to lay down. If I say lay down, the dog doesn't lay down right away, the dog and I are in, it, we're, we're already against each other over here. It's like, I said lay down. Now sometimes she just ignores me. I think it's like a small petulant child testing me. She's part border collie, part German shepherd. She's smart, and she's smart enough to know when she's crossing the line. She knows, she just keeps standing there. And then I get up out of the chair, and then she knows. So she lays right back down. I just have to stand up, and she lays right down. Because she knows, I'm going to see if James is really willing to take that next step. But that's my control issue. You and I want to be in control. So we want to decide who's in, who's out. We want to decide who I am, and not to be the person necessarily that God made us to be. Because I want to choose. I want to choose who I am. And God says, you know, it's a gift. I gave you you. Your choice is whether or not you're going to give that you away some. If you're going to let people see that you. Because you know, that you is really beautiful. I wouldn't have made it otherwise. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, that which we just read, it tells us, that God wanted to bring together that which was separate, the Gentiles and the Jews. But I suspect implied at an even deeper level than that is to bring ourselves into one. Not the person we pretend to be and the person that we are, but just the person we are. I, I thought it was really... It was telling. In fact, there were th I put three check marks, a star, and a heart next to it, where uh, to be unknown by God is entirely too much privacy. And the pretend you is not the you God knows. Might be the you you know or you think is important. But the only you that's really important to God is the one God made you to be. How are you doing in discovering who that person is and then living like that person every day? Living as that person every day. You know, some people have told me, James, you say it all the time, infinitely precious, unconditionally loved. Don't you think it gets old? No, I don't. And you know why? Because I need to remind myself as much as I need to remind you that I'm infinitely precious and unconditionally loved. Because there are moments when I am certain the love for me is conditional. Conditioned on me performing well. On me preaching the best sermon every Sunday. Well, how can you preach the best every Sunday? You can't. There's only one best. It's a superlative. And you can't keep getting better all the time. You can just be real. And you know what? Maybe real is enough. So I say it over and over again because as much as I want to remind you 
that you're infinitely precious? I want to remind me that I'm infinitely precious just because I'm James. Not because I'm James the pastor or James the husband or James the father or James the son or James the brother or James the cousin. James the graduate of various places, the ordained, all of those things that I can lay out there that are just words I attach. What would it look like to be infinitely precious just because God made me me? And you're infinitely precious because God made you, you. You are also unconditionally loved. There are no conditions placed on it. God doesn't say, I'll love you if. God already loves you. You are a manifestation of God's love in everyday life. In your best moments when people meet you, they know what love looks like, at least a piece of it. And that's the power of what God's done in this universe. God has chosen to mirror the eternal self in all the little pieces that hold together. From the smallest blade of grass, heck, from the smallest quark and atom, all the way up to the largest galaxy, in some way, each of those things reflect the infinite goodness of God. You get to do the same thing. Can you let yourself be one? Can you let God break down the walls that you've used to protect yourself a whole lifetime, hiding behind, pretending to be somebody you're not? Can you make that next step? The invitation, the biblical invitation, I am convinced, is to stop seeing everyone else as other defining yourself as either better than or worse than whatever other is out there, and begin to see we're all in this together. One big picture, a reflection. We're not God, but we reflect God. And the more you can take in, the more you see the reflection. God wants to break the walls that divide us and invite us to a place where all we see is the love. It's hard work. It's going to require getting over yourself. The one you invented, the pretend one, the illusion, the one you tell everybody is you. And really be honest about who you are. It's a, it's a struggle, but it's a worth the struggle. In him, in him, the dividing walls are brought down and we are made one, one.